You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome to another broadcast of Diakonia, a call to service. Diakonia is the Greek word for service. It's also the root word for deacon. My name is Deacon Richard Hudzik, and at the moment I get to serve the Archdiocese of Chicago as vicar for deacons, and I am also assigned as deacon to the good people in Westchester at Mary, Mother of Divine Grace. Joining me as her normal is Deacon David Brensick, sitting on the other side of the table from me, Associate Director of the Office, and serving as Deacon at Holy Guardian Angels in LaGrange Park in Brookfield. That's right. Good morning, okay. everyone. It's a struggle every time we, we do this to remember those those two suburbs. So anyway, this is uh, uh, a half hour of uh, radio slash YouTube slash uh, streaming the Archdiocese has uh, granted to us. And it's an opportunity for us to talk about the call to service. Uh, it's a call for service for everybody and not only for the deacons of the Catholic Church. It's uh, not a show about about deacons so much as it is a show by deacons whereby we invite others on our journey. And that's uh, particularly appropriate to today's, uh, today's conversation uh, as we normally invite people to walk along with us in uh, diaconate service. We're going to be uh, talking with uh, Deacon Dominic Serrato, uh, director of the diaconate in Joliet Diocese. And we're going to talk about his, his latest book, uh, which is exactly on point. Uh, we should just pass out the book and be done with this uh, this podcast uh, YouTube channel and just tell people to read the book, and then it will be done. But uh, I'm going to ask David to uh, uh, open up the, the conversation with, with Dominic. David? Hi, Dominic. Uh, why don't you start out with just telling us a little about yourself? Well, um, I was uh, ordained in 1995 uh, as the first deacon uh, or permanent deacon of the Diocese of Steubenville. Um, I have a background in theology uh, well before I was ordained. I've uh, been ordained now for 26 years, worked in various areas within the church, particularly in parish life, but also diocesan life. I've published, I've written. Most important thing about me is I've been married for 40 years and I have seven children and 11 grandchildren. Great. And how long have you been with the Joliet Diocese? Um, I was brought here about five years ago then to run the formation program. And you've been director for the last two years? A year, a year and a half, I've been the director of the whole program. Great. Now, I know we you have uh, two other books that you've, that you've written uh, the, the past few years. Uh, in the Person of Christ, the Servant, a Theology of the Diaconate, mm -hmm. based on the personal and the personalist thought of Pope John Paul II, in Encountering Christ the Servant, the Spirituality of the Diaconate. Uh, just give us a little thumbnail of what those books were about. 
Well, when I when I entered the diaconate, I was surprised to find, having prepared myself through a study of theology, that the diaconate theology wasn't well developed. In fact, it was quite impoverished. When the diaconate was suppressed early on by the fourth to the eighth century, uh, then moving as a transitional stage, all of the focus was on the priesthood. So having had the theological background and coming into the diaconate, I, I saw an impoverished theology of the diaconate. What does it really mean to be a deacon? Is he a junior priest? Is he glorified altar boy? What, what is he? And uh, in John Paul II, I found ways to articulate a theology of the diaconate, which moved us away from functionality to relationality. In other words, the deacon, as I was trained, is in doing this, that, and the other thing. And that's what really makes him different, because he can do this, that, or the other thing. But the diaconate is something more, particularly because of ordination, ontological configuration. Somehow we're made different in a certain sense. And what is that about? So John Paul gave me the language to move away from functionality to relationality. What's that relationship? a relationship to Christ the servant to whom we were configured on the day of our ordination. In short, that theology helped me understand that service is not something I do, but rather someone I give, my very self. I pour myself out in the service. I'm animated by the love that was given to me through Jesus Christ, and that love now inspires me and emboldened me and empowers me to give to others. It's in the giving of the others that we serve. So that book really laid the foundation for much of my later work. Now, you and I know that foundations aren't the prettiest part of the house, but they're the most necessary, right? Because without them, the whole structure is undermined. You don't invite people over your house and say, hey, take a look at my foundation. Now, the house is much bigger. So it was important to write that book and write it technically. But still, that book was the basis. The next book, Encounter in Christ the Servant, also for deacons, explored, based on that theology, the spirituality of the diaconate. And, and the reason why is deacons act from the interior to the exterior. They're not just doing these ex exterior acts, that somehow these acts are motivated by intimate communion with Jesus Christ. If that communion is not fostered, if it's not developed, if it doesn't progress over time, then our acts become sterile. They simply come things we do apart from the person we give, which is not only ourselves, but the Christ who abides in us. Now, Donna, let me just interject a, a, a question here, and maybe um, <laughs> to articulate the poverty of the functionalist approach. It's, it's typified, in, in, in my experience, by being asked the question, what does a deacon do? I think that's exactly what you've said, but it draws up short of who a deacon is uh, and who the deacon is in relationship, I think, is, is, is what you're saying. Um, what does a deacon do? It's of interest, but it's not a sufficient definition. Am I, am I on the right track with you? Yes, yes. It, I, I mean, it's understandable in a world where we've uh, reduced human beings to human doings that functionality is the way people talk. Uh, I think it's a normal thing that people ask. But but this provides, at least for me, a doorway into what a deacon is. I mean, you could say, what, is, what does a father do? Well, a father's more than his doing, but 
through his doing, you can say, this is how he is. There's a, a great Latin phrase, agere siguitoresi, to act is to follow being. To, to know who you are is to know how you ought to act. But to know how you're acting can provide a means by which you can say, this is why we're acting this way. And this is why a deacon is different, because consider this. A mother and a babysitter can do very much the same thing but not quite the same way, right? They can do the same functions, and maybe the babysitter can do some of them better, but she will never replace the mother precisely because the mother has a relationship to the baby. So the deacon has a special relationship to Christ the servant by virtue of his ordination. That then provides the means and, and the source of his actions. Okay. Now, I, I jumped in. David, did you have more on this line of questioning? Oh, well, these first two books, is there, what can the laity take away from these books? I know they're focused on, on deacons, but what can the laity learn from these books? Well, certainly the laity could read these books and learn something from it. The first book is a bit of a hard read. It's a hard read because I had to write it in the theological language. The second book, uh, the laity, in fact, Part of the reason why I wrote the third book was because the laity were interested in what I was writing in the, the second book. But I think the third book, the one we're talking about here today, that really is a means by which the laity can understand the first and second book, because that's sort of a, a way for me to unfold that reality in very popular language of you know what a deacon is and how the deacon provides the preeminent example of service for the laity. All right, well, let's, let's jump to that. We've been talking about it. We've been setting the, uh, the groundwork. And so now let's turn to that third book, Discovering Christ the Servant, A Spirituality of Service. Discovering Christ the Servant, A Spirituality of Service. And as you've been expressing, Dominic, this is expressly intended to, what, transition from uh, a focus to deacons to a, a broader public to lay out for them the beauty of, of diaconia. I mean, am I in the ballpark? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So what, what, what's, your, what's your hope for this book? My hope is to share the gift that I've received in the diaconate with the laity who are also called in many respects to be servants. They're following Christ, who is the servant, the diaconos. And as a result, they need guidance, just like all of us need guidance. And the deacon, as the preeminent example of, of Christ the servant, uh, provides a means for that. And the picture you're showing right now is actually encountering Christ the servant. The other book, the one I'm talking about here, is discovering Christ the servant. Right, right. So, um, so we're we're set, we're setting up this or sending this this third book out to the world, and I've I've had the opportunity to go through it. It's it's as you say, it's written in popular language. It's it's an easy read, uh, which is by no means a put down. It's accessible. Uh, let's let's call it accessible, mm -hmm. um, and it, it's it's engaging, um, and it's structured for the for a, a thoughtful, prayerful uh, walk through through the material. Now, there's a couple of points I want to explore with you, mm -hmm. and one of them is you, you make reference to, uh, I don't know if you have a, if you use the acronym, but the RIM uh, scheme, the Relationship, Identity, and Mission. Can you, can you, can you give us uh, 60 seconds on, on that? What, what are you talking about in terms mm -hmm. of relationship, identity, and mission? Not to rush you, but you got <laughs> 60 seconds. 
Sure. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Well, um, this is really an application of what's used in the Institute of Priestly Formation. Father Richard Kabudsta developed this and I stole it and applied it to the diaconate. Essentially, it sets up an order or describes an order of how things operate. Um, so you, you have relationships. So a deacon has to have a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ in order for him to truly exercise. So relationship comes first. RIM, R-I-M, relationship, identity, and mission. But it's through this relationship that he gets a sense of identity. And only with this identity does he have a sense of mission. Now, let me put this in the context of marriage and come back. Let's say you're courting your girlfriend and you're developing a relationship. So the relationship comes first before you have anything, the relationship. As that relationship deepens, the couple come together and decide to get married, and then they do. They get a sense of identity at that point. What's the identity? He's the husband, she's the wife, right? They have a sense of identity. Only then can they truly fulfill the mission of married life, right? So relationship, identity, and mission. So it is with the deacon. Uh, and for all of us. Our relationship with Christ is primary. This gives us an identity as Christians, and only as Christians can we begin, and with that relationship, can we share in the mission of the church in our own vocation, whether that's taking care of children, whether that's working in the world, whatever it happens to be. Last point I'll make is that relationship, identity, and mission, which I outline in much more detail in the book, if you do this, go through the relationship, you get a sense of identity, you begin the mission. As you begin the mission, the relationship deepens, the identity is enriched, the mission is more effective, and it becomes not a single once around the circle, but rather uh, an entire way of life, uh, a kind of engine that drives us. So you have the interior life gives rise to the relationship, relationship gives rise to identity, identity gives rise to mission. And this is the, the sort of the theme of the book, the thing that ties everything together. It's very right. simple, it's very elegant in its simplicity, but it is of profound truth. All right, Dominic, that's, that's, that's great. Um, I appreciate that, that thumbnail capture. We're going to go to a break, and I want to come back uh, from the break, ask another question about that as to where am I supposed to begin with this as a, as a, as a lady, so uh, as a layperson. So stay tuned. We'll be uh, right back in uh, further conversation with Deacon Dominic Serrato. Thanks. Not to be served, but to Imagine spending a week on the tranquil grounds of the University of St. Mary of the Lake where you can pray, reflect, and learn from the rich treasures of the Bible. An invitation for all to experience the annual Summer Scripture Conference, June 19th to 24th, might just be for you. Notable scripture scholars from across the United States will present this year's program, focusing on interpreting scripture in the church. The five presenters will share on a variety of topics, including interpreting scripture and the Vatican II documents, different Christian denominations and how they differ in perspectives on scripture, the Bible and politics in America today, what scripture says about children, how to use scripture in prayer, and interpreting scripture for the life and mission of the church. For registration and conference package information, visit our website at www.usml.edu 
slash summer scripture or call 847-837-4575. This year's conference will be both in person and virtual. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. And we're back for the uh, second part of Diaconia Call to Service. Deacon Richard Hudzik joined uh, today as per normal with, uh, by Deacon David Brensick. We have on the line Deacon Dominic Serrato. We've got deacons all over the place the, this morning. We're talking with uh, Deacon Dominic, who hails uh, from the Joliet Diocese, about his latest book, which is called Discovering Christ the Servant, A Spirituality of Service. And if I can put words in Dominic's mouth, it is a book for the laity to offer to them a path into engaging in the path every Christian is called to, and that is uh, to emulate and to deepen uh, one's walk with the Lord in his, in his servanthood. Um, now, Dominic, uh, that's from our Sunday Visitor Press. Is that, uh, is that where that's coming from? That's correct. So if I can go to the... OS the OSV, uh, whatever their website is, I can order it there, or I know it's on Amazon. That's where I got mine. Uh, and mm -hmm. uh, significant for me, you can get it in Kindle. I love I love the, the Kindle. But you can also be old school and get actual physical copy of the thing, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So so anyway, so that's uh, uh, I commend that uh, to everybody uh, tuned into this. Discovering Christ the Servant is Spirituality of Service. A couple questions in our, in our remaining time. One is we're talking about the relationship identity mission, uh, that continuing cycle of ever-deepening engagement with the Lord, identity with the Lord. Now, you're at a, imagine you're at a parish and you're doing an adult education workshop or some maybe a day of reflection. Where do you want me to get, begin, Deacon Dominic, as, a, as a, just an ordinary person trying to make his way in the world relationship identity mission what's where's my first entree into that into that cycle right right uh, most people who come to those kinds of events have at least a basic sense of their own spirituality otherwise they wouldn't be there they wouldn't be in parish life and so you begin building upon what's already there i think that 
the way our culture is set up, it's hard to be attentive to a deeper reality within all of us. And that's the interior life. It's the place of thought and contemplation, a place where we make our judgments, a place where we fall in love. It's a place where we're alone with ourselves and with God. So attentiveness to the interior life, that there's something deeper. More than that, there's not just something deeper, but someone in that deepness calling me on to a greater relationship a sense of fulfillment in Christ. So you begin with an awareness in its most basic form of the interior life. And through the process in the book, I talk about this, becoming attentive in a certain sense to the voice of God with all the prudent correctives that are necessary for that. And to recognize within that, as we contemplate, I call it the servant mysteries. I got that from Deacon James Keating, but the servant mysteries where God, who, who reveals himself as servant, has served me in my life. The greatest way he reveals himself most certainly is through Jesus Christ and on the cross. So it's in that interior life you begin recognizing what God has done, not just done for the rest of the world. That's true. He saved the entire world, but he saved me too. And so to recognize how he pulled me out of nothingness and he created me, how despite my sinfulness, he saves me, how in light of my progress to him, he sanctifies me, right? I get a sense of my own identity in light of the relationship. And then we talk about the interior life. You're going to see throughout the book, by the way, that I've taken bits and pieces from all of the saints and mystics. I'm helping the, the folks here understand that better. I'm also casting this through the eyes of the diaconate, which I believe to be the way in which God wants to reveal Christ the servant to the world. So that's where we would begin. Okay. No, that's, that's good. That's good. There's, uh, there's, uh, there's so much to talk about. One of the things, um, and I don't know if this is just inside baseball, it, it's, it's not, but we've got the etymological uh, debate mm -hmm. over the meaning of the word deacon. Is the deacon servant? Is he ambassador? What's, what's, what's this thing with uh, John Collins and his, uh, and his work about calling deacons ambassadors? Is it mute? Are they mutually exclusive? Um, well, it well, if you read his book, that he's actually not calling deacons ambassadors. What he's saying is that when we look at the way the word diakonia and diakonos are used in the time of the writing of the New Testament, both in the sacred scriptures and beyond that, what we discover that its usage, servant, which is typically translated servant, is also spoken of as envoy. Now, I never saw a debate here. If there was a debate here, I was immune to it. I think that's because some folks didn't read the book and didn't get the connection. Think about it. We're not just servants in the sense of slaves. We just don't. We are sent by the master. How are we sent? We're sent with his authority and his power to do it. That's what an envoy is. That's what an ambassador is. An ambassador is a kind of servant, but a servant without that sense of it doesn't make a connection to the master and how the master empowers, listen to this, empowers him to represent the master. So for me, it, of course, diaconia means service, diakonos means servant, but it's a servant that's also an ambassador. An ambassador of what? An ambassador of the good news. How? Isn't everybody? Ambassador of the good news in the manner in which he serves, in the manner in which he pours his life out. He gives of himself for the good of the other, for the sake of the other. Now, as a layman, um, how do I how, how do I perform this uh, this envoy 
function? How do I perform? We've, we've talked about the, the, the servanthood, um, we're seeking, uh, seeking holiness in the, in the midst of our life and our so-called ordinary mm -hmm. lives, which are by no means ordinary. But how, how do I, as a, as a, as a layperson, uh, take on this task of, of envoy, uh, ambassador, representative? What, mm -hmm. what does that look like in, in the layperson's life? Well, it, first of all, it arises out of baptism, right? And so in baptism, the layperson is configured to Christ, Christ to his servant, Christ who says, I came not to be served, but to serve. Christ who says, uh, for who is greater, the one seated at the table or the one who serves? And then he goes on to say, I am among you as one who serves. So the, the, the layperson is configured to Christ in that way and also called to serve. And so the layperson gets out of this, he's not just called to serve, I'm not just called as a father to serve my children, as a husband to serve my wife. I'm called to serve my children and serve my wife as an ambassador to Christ. That's totally different. And in terms of service, it moves what we do from mere social work to ministry. Okay, that's, that's good. Let me, let me ask this question. There is, uh, there is the, uh, the, the sacramental priesthood. There is mm -hmm. the priesthood of of all believers, priesthood of the faithful. There mm -hmm. is the the deacon who is ordained, but now we're also talking about deaconing as as a layperson. Can I draw a parallel between that priesthood of the believers and the diaconia of the believers? Is am I stretching things, or would you? Would you see that uh, as a helpful analogy? Oh, I think it's a very helpful analogy. If you think about it, we're taught that there are two participations in the one priesthood of Christ. There is the hierarchical or ministerial priesthood, that father so-and-so in the parish, right? And of course, there is the lay participation in that, sometimes called the common priesthood or the royal priesthood. And that arises from baptism, where we're configured to Christ who is priest, prophet, and king. And that makes sense so even though we have the ministerial priesthood, we also have a participation because a priest is one who offers sacrifice in atonement for our sins. And in a certain sense, participating in the mercy of Christ, the layperson is called to do much the same way. And if that's true of the priesthood, and it is, I believe that it's also true of the diaconate. You can say that there is, in a certain sense, two participations in the one diaconia of Christ. There is, of course, the ministerial or hierarchical priesthood, uh, excuse me, diaconate, and that is, of course, those of us who are ordained deacons, but there's also a lay participation. Now, what's the connection? Those of us who are ordained are called to bear witness to Christ the servant in a preeminent way so as to inspire, embolden, and empower the lay people to become servants as husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, uh, single celibates, across the whole range of vocations. Does it strike you that the use, the concept, the construct of Christ in his servanthood is an underdeveloped, unannounced, or underannounced, under underfocused uh, dimension of of every Christian's life. I mean, is this 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 seems like something? I don't want to call it something new because it's been around for for millennia. But um, it's it's a message that that needs to be heard more. Is, is, 
it not only needs to be heard more in a day and age where service is undermined, it needs to be heard across the entire spectrum of the church. And that is to say that all are called to be servants. The Pope is the servants of the servants of God. He's got to be a servant, right? Service servorum, the, 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 right? Pardon me? Ser servant of the servants. That's, yes, that's, that's right. Yeah. So, so he now it has that responsibility. He has he exercises a diaconia in his papacy. So, I think what's happening here since the revival and the restoration of the uh, by the Second Vatican Council for the diaconate, I think the diaconate is beginning to find its voice not for itself, not for its own sake, not just to help father in the parish, though that is true, but rather to to remind the church that she is a servant church. Think about it. The term diaconia, service, is translated into ministerium in the Latin, or ministry. So when we say the ministry of the priest, we're saying the diaconia or the diaconate of the priest. When we say the ministry of the bishop, we're saying the diaconia or, or uh, diaconate of the, the bishop. And so across all lines, because when a priest is configured as a priest, it doesn't obliterate his diaconate. Right. They both coexist, right. but very little work is done on how that happens. So for the whole church to rediscover Christ the servant, and, and by the way, the other point I want to make is discovery isn't a one-time event. I can discover an island and spend the rest of my life fully discovering it. And with, discover that, and, with that, Dominic, and with that, Dominic, we have to sign up. But God bless you. This is a great book, Christ in the Person of Christ the Servant. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, what do we got here? Discovering Christ as servant, the spirituality of service. Get it. You'll you'll enjoy it. Thank you, Dominic. Thank you, David. Thank you. <laughs>